This podcast is brought to you by the IIEA, sharing ideas, shaping policy. Hello, my name is Barry Colfer, and I'm the Director of Research here at the Institute of International and European Affairs in Dublin. I'm delighted to be joined by Marion Jamais, who is a member of our climate and energy group here at the IIA. Marion, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, uh, thanks Barry for having me today. Uh, I'm Marion Janet and I'm Head of Policy and Advocacy at the Irish Green Building Council and I'm also uh, a member of the uh, Institute Climate and Energy Group. Fantastic and Marion has recently authored a, uh, an excellent paper published at the IIA on reviewing the co-benefits of energy efficiency in an Irish context. And that is the subject of our short discussion today. So without further ado, I'm going to turn right over to Marion and ask Marion to tell us what is this paper about? Yeah, uh, sure, Barry. So uh, the paper really look at the co-benefits of um, energy efficiency uh, in the built environment um, in an Irish uh, context. By that, I mean, it looks at um, environmental impacts, social impact, economic impacts, and it really highlights um, the importance of capturing better quality data on the impact of energy renovation. Um, all these impacts like uh, interact with um, with one another, and it also at the end make a set of recommendations uh, to increase uh, the depth and rate of um, energy renovation uh, in Ireland. Fantastic. What is the current lay of the land then, Marion? If you said you're, you're making a case for the need to gather better data, what do we currently have? What do we know? And probably more importantly, what do we not know? Um, I think so far, um, as you know, we have set very ambitious uh, retrofit uh, targets in the since really the 2021 Climate Action Plan with the objective of uh, uh, retrofitting uh, 500,000 homes, so that's a bit about um, a quarter of the stock to a, a B or uh, so building energy rating uh, to B2 uh, by uh, 2030. So we do uh, capture very good quality data uh, in relation to uh, building energy rating uh, BORs uh, in Ireland, like we have a very comprehensive uh, database. Um, saying that we do have uh, less data, for instance, on uh, actual uh, energy use uh, in buildings, um, also on um, from a carbon point of view on embodied carbon emissions, so that's the emissions that are associated with the um, production of construction material, but also with the construction of buildings or the renovation of buildings. Um, and in relation to the um, social and economic impacts um, I previously mentioned, um, we have captured some data in Ireland uh, at small scale uh, in relation to um, the impact of um, um, energy renovation on uh, people health. Um, thinking, for instance, of um, 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 one of the pilot SEAI programs that was uh, conducted in partnership with the HSE um, a, a few years ago that was really much about um, upgrading uh, the arms of um, some people with some specific medical uh, conditions, but it's usually it has been done at small scale. So what we do need, I suppose, is 
better quality data and this data to be captured at a larger scale. The same in terms of economic impact. Uh, we do have some data, for instance, at European level on the impact of energy renovation on job creation, on the impact of energy renovation on um, public health and um, social welfare budgets. But in Ireland, we haven't captured this data at scale. And that's covered very well in your paper. And I'd like to ask you about that in a moment, about the kind of why this matters, what the impact of retrofitting is for, for people and for public policy. But just to take a step back, and it's an innocent, innocent question, can you just tell us what retrofitting actually does to a building? I mean, I, I have a sense of what it is, right? But as a non-expert, what actually happens when you retrofit a space, a, a bit of the built environment, and how does it change a building? So really, the, the main objective um, of a retrofit is to first to improve the energy efficiency of a building. So really, to, what we often say is really a, a building first approach. So the first thing you try to do is to make the, the building more energy efficient so that it, so that it uses um, less uh, energy in the first place. Uh, and then the second step is really like um, to decarbonize um, the energy you use to operate this building. So very much looking at renewables. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, and so far, most of the energy efficiency upgrades uh, taking place in Ireland, but that's the same like across Europe really, have been shallow retrofits. So just taking small steps, but we are transitioning more and more towards like um, deep retrofit. And for instance, like the, as I said, the national retrofit program in Ireland have a strong focus on um, reaching 500,000 deep retrofit by uh, 2030. One of the things I really enjoyed about your paper um, as, as a non-expert again, is, is this idea of, of the co-benefits mm -hmm. that going into reading this paper and working with you on it, of course, I kind of had have my own ideas of energy efficiency and kind of being able to save money basically by not having to heat buildings so much because they become more energy efficient. But what really uh, kind of caught me with your paper was the kind of the health benefits, the societal benefits that having well retrofitted buildings and having a well retrofitted built environment, it goes way beyond merely the direct impact of an energy efficiency being, you know, having to spend less money on energy. Can you speak a little bit more about the, these co-benefits around health and kind of other societal positive externalities you get from having well retrofitted buildings? Yeah, um, I mean, as you have said, Barry, uh, one obvious um, benefit of high quality um, energy renovation is very much around uh, reducing our carbon um, emission and reducing uh, energy uh, consumption. And it's true that most of the time the focus has been uh, on this aspect, but what the paper cover as well is very much looking at the societal and economic benefits. So. Um, and I think this is quite important because buildings don't operate in um, in isolation, like people live in these buildings. So I think it's very important to stress that um, energy efficiency, like upgrade really um, can have a very positive impact on um, people's health and well-being and can also contribute to a, a reduction um, in, in fuel poverty. Um, so, by that, I mean, if you, through a high quality uh, energy renovation uh, upgrade, you can really make um, building your building like more 
comfortable. Um, you can improve thermal comfort. Um, you can um, improve uh, air quality, and that's quite important because we spend like on average like ninety percent of our time inside buildings um, in the west, um, and um, and that like and and that obviously is even perhaps more important for people uh, living in fuel poverty. And by that, I mean, because all the statistics show that if you if you live in fuel poverty, you're also more likely um, to live uh, in a building that, um, that is dumb, that is cold, and so on with all the negative impact uh, on your health. But by um, addressing this, like from an economic point of view, um, you can, um, well, it's good at an individual level, I suppose, uh, obviously, if you are in, in, in fuel poverty, but I think for everyone, because it's um, it's really a way to um, address, and we have seen that really in the last, in the last 18 months, it's very important um, to address like um, energy price fluctuations, sorry, or, or to, um, yeah, to, to address energy price uh, fluctuation, if you have a very energy efficient building, obviously you're less um, impacted by an increase in energy price. But at a societal level, it's also a good way uh, to uh, reduce um, um, public uh, health expenditures, but also like um, social welfare expenditures, like if we think, of, for instance, uh, in relation to uh, job creation. It's, you know, like like a lot of good research, as soon as you explain it in your paper, it makes immediate sense. But just what you're talking about, the kind of the link between retrofitting and like cardiovascular disease and stroke and disproportionately higher recorded rates of respiratory illness, to quote from your paper, and, you know, straight through to all those other areas of policy you spoke about between health policy and social welfare and just overall societal well-being was really interesting. Now, as, you know, Ireland's leading public policy think tank, it's our duty to try and assess government policy and to do so honestly, to focus on where things are, are being done well and also where there are deficiencies. So you, your paper certainly points towards the deficiencies. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to go through some of your core recommendations, which is the most important part of your paper, perhaps. But just before that, can you just do an assessment of where we are now in Ireland? Are there any, any areas of uh, kind of relevant public policy that, that the government is doing really well? Yeah, and I think it's it's important uh, to, to stress that as well. I mean, I've been working uh, in that area in energy renovation since 2015. Um, and I must say, like, since I started, like, I've seen, like, really significant progress. I mean, we could argue it, it's too slow, especially when you see the, the situation in relation to the climate emergency. But I think really one thing that we have in Ireland, and we are very lucky in relation to that is that we have clear and ambitious target for energy renovation, um, as I've already said, and I think this is important because it also uh, provides certainty uh, to the industry, to people that we are serious about energy renovation. Um, we have also seen like a, a significant uh, increase uh, in funding for energy renovation in the last two years. Again, this is important to uh, support uh, ourselves in this transition but also to provide this certainty to the industry that it's worth investing in energy renovation and upskilling staff in, um, um, on energy efficiency and so on. Um, and I think as well, like, I mean, really, if I compare the current situation to 2015, I think we have a far um, higher awareness uh, across society of the urgency to 
acts uh, of the importance of energy renovation. And also um, we have far more like uh, training courses uh, available on energy efficiency, um, on ventilation, on heat pump installation for building professionals, but also uh, for construction workers. We didn't mention that as well, of course, but it was on my mind when you were speaking that the kind of co-benefits also include job creation, right? High quality job creation and good sustainable jobs. Um, in terms of these, before turning over, we'll conclude in a moment on, on what your recommendations are, but before turning to your recommendations, Marion, um, these targets, targets are great. Uh, and I think it's really good to have, you know, uh, evidence-driven public policy that that has targets and seeks to, you know, aiming at a point uh, on a chart rather than just generally trying to muddle through. But if you take the um, these targets, can you identify any, any of the major impediments? So whether they're political, societal, geographical, scientific, financial, whatever, can you identify, because what you say makes such sense, you know, that by retrofitting homes with all these positive benefits, homes and by retrofitting homes and buildings, there's so many co-benefits. What's stopping us from doing it, do you think? Well, there are, as I said, I think we have made some progress. Uh, and to be fair, like the one-step shop for energy renovation were only set up in the in the last 18 months or so. But I think um, major uh, challenge, um, and unfortunately it's not only in Ireland, it's something that we see uh, across Europe is really like um, labor uh, and skill shortages uh, in the industry to actually like uh, deliver uh, um, this level of uh, this level of retrofit uh, with the additional uh, challenge in Ireland that it's competing as well to some extent uh, with new build in terms of very limited uh, resources and uh, because we need more housing but perhaps there and that's maybe starting to talk a little bit about the recommendation but that's also why uh, it's important, I think, to better connect like programs that are there like uh, to support uh, uh, better use of vacant underused property and uh, energy renovation. Um, but I think it's also, generally speaking, like when we talk about uh, climate action um, in general, I think it's also about like creating uh, some extent like this um really like crazy awareness as well about this uh, this co-benefit and changing these negative sometimes narratives that um, um these actions are, are are difficult they are expensive i think and focusing perhaps far more on the on the benefits as well and the positive impact on, on quality of life as has any of that discussion, it's interesting that you mentioned that just towards the end, has that discussion changed at all since since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, This Russia's most recent invasion of Ukraine and questions around gas prices and energy costs? Um, has this, this sense that these co-benefits co are kind of um, not all that important, uh, or I'm, I'm not, not meaning to put words in your mouth, but what you're just saying there about how, how important people regard these things, has there been a shift over the past 18 months since the invasion or or not yeah i think it's it's clear that at least at, at european level that yeah energy efficiency is more and more like seen as kind of as the first fuel as i mentioned the first fuel, uh, yeah. so in the, as i mentioned i've, I've been the, quoting you all week saying that i think it's great oh really it's um in relation to uh energy efficiency because obviously like the the less um i mean yeah the less energy uh, we need i mean it's it's a way as well to um address this, this challenge that we have in relation to our dependency uh, um, to Russian uh, gas as well uh, in Europe. Um, 
I think as well, like this um, making, this is also important when you think as well, like we are going to transition more and more like um, to electricity, but obviously if we are more energy efficient, we need to, we would need to generate less, um, less energy and electricity. So it's also helping as well in relation to the, um, to the renewable discussion. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry to go back to your question. Um, Definitely, I think there is a stronger focus on. Um, there is a stronger focus. We can say it's not. Um, it might not be. I probably would have liked to see a bit more focus on this aspect uh, of um, the importance, I suppose, of um, addressing really like. Uh, I mean, if you think of fuel poverty, for instance, I'm really very much looking at the cost, so the importance of making our buildings more energy efficient, as opposed to only the symptoms that we need. Uh, that we need, for instance, to look at, um, um, or we can address the increase in energy price. But I think really, like the to some extent, the invasion of uh, Ukraine and all this challenge around like um, increase in gas prices across Europe have. Uh, I've helped, I suppose, in um, in attracting more attention to this issue. We might move towards the final part of our discussion now, Marion, where I'm going to mm -hmm. ask you just to set out the core recommendations, what the core takeaways are for policymakers and citizens alike from your paper. And as you go through them, if you wouldn't mind, um, if there are any examples of best practice from other places in the world, in Europe or beyond, that you might like to draw out, whether there's lessons to be learned from anywhere else that you're aware of. So over to you on your recommendations, Marion. Okay, that's a, that's a huge question. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I think the first one is very much um, around the importance uh, of capturing better uh, quality data on the impact of um, energy renovation work and energy renovation um, program, uh, and especially like data on the various impact and how they interact um, with one another. Um, and I know this can be challenging, but I think it's extremely important uh, to, so that we can see like what is working well, what can be improved and that we can see that quickly. So that's key, I suppose, to ensure that the energy renovation program um, um, as a real positive impact on our on our carbon emission, as a positive impact on indoor quality, um, uh, and it's also um, yeah, it, it it's really contributing, I suppose, to to our climate target and to a better quality of life for everyone. So that's the first recommendation, very much around like capturing better quality uh, data uh, on this impact. Um, the second one, and I think I have um, I've already. Um, partly mention it is very much around like the need I suppose to better connect uh, rep support for energy renovation and um, support for a better use of um, e existing building or vacant properties because we know we have a very high rate of uh, vacancy uh, in Ireland and the reason I'm saying that is also because um, last year um, with the Irish Green Building Council, uh, we did commission uh, a piece of research from a group of uh, researchers in University College uh, Dublin. And what it does show is that the emission um, associated with construction uh, and the built environment in Ireland um, account for about 
37% of our national emissions. So that's kind of the same as agriculture. And there, yes, you do have about 23% um, uh, of these emissions uh, that relate to um, operational energy use. So really like uh, the energy we use to light, heat, and uh, cool our buildings. But then you still have 13% that are, the um, uh, 14%, sorry, that are associated with um, embodied uh, carbon um, Emissions, so emission associated with the um, um, the construction and the renovation of of buildings. And why I'm mentioning that is because um, the research shows that really um, we can't um, we can't reach our 2030 uh, target uh, without uh, addressing um, both operational emission and embodied carbon emission. Um, so, and really, if you look at the impact of a deep uh, energy retrofit in relation to embodied carbon emission, it's approximately a quarter of that of a new build. And it's really our call to make a better connection uh, between, um, um, between support mechanisms that are in place for energy renovation and support mechanisms that are in place uh, for reuse. But also, I think what would be important is to start really measuring uh, wildlife carbon, the impact as a wildlife carbon impact of projects. And in terms of uh, best practice, um, that's something that is currently being discussed at European level uh, as part of the revision of the energy performance uh, of building uh, directive. So, I mean, as you know, like it's currently, um, we are currently in the trilogue discussion on the EPPD, but what is clear is that most likely that these wildlife carbon emission uh, will be regulated at some point between 2026 and 2030. But we already have a number of member states uh, that have introduced uh, regulation to mandate measurement, um, like um, Denmark, Finland, France, the Netherlands. So I think it's something, given the amount of construction and renovation taking place in Ireland, I think it's something that we should uh, really consider. Now, my last set of recommendations, and I know it's quite a, a long um, answer to your question, but it's very much around the um, current uh, energy renovation uh, program, the National Retrofit Program. And just I would like to reiterate that I think um, I don't want to come across as too negative because I really think like uh, significant progress uh, have been made in the last um, in the in the last. Uh, three to four years, and we know it's an extremely uh, challenging topic, and we know that across Europe it's challenging. Um, but there are a number of actions that um, possibly uh, we should uh, consider. Um, in terms of, um, I suppose, in terms of the scale um, of energy renovation and what is needed, we could possibly uh, look at better uh, aggregation uh, of projects. So, you know, instead of look, looking at um, uh, one individual building, uh, another approach could be to try to retrofit, like, you know, for instance, when we think of social um, housing, like all the building in a specific, uh, in a specific estate, um, uh, at the same time, and then to look, for instance, at um, off-site um, off-site construction or more like kind of off-site renovation to um, to really see if we could like um, reduce the reduce the cost. I'm thinking as well of the inflation that we have seen in the industry in the last 
um, two years, you know, if you were aggregating project and let's say, for instance, like, you know, looking at ordering, I don't know, it wasn't heat pump um, uh, as opposed to individual, like just one heat pump, it may like allow for a reduction uh, in the cost. And a good example of a, a program of in relation to aggregation and making um, and making sorry energy renovation easier it's energy uh, sprung uh, in the netherlands so that could be someone something uh, to look at um and then um my last comment in relation to the uh, energy renovation program i think the one-stop shop uh, are working well but they are working well for a specific uh, part uh, of the market really like um for if you own your uh, if if you own your own property, uh, if you and if that property is a non traditionally built uh, detached property, and if you can afford a partly um, subsidized deep retrofit, yes, uh, the one stop shop model is working very well. But I think the risk I would see is to put. Um, all our eggs in the same basket, and perhaps we need to look a little bit more at um, a wider, um, I mean, a, a more diverse uh, range uh, of approach. For instance, um, I know like there is support in Ireland for uh, single uh, measures um, like attic insulation and so on, but um, and the reality is that most of the renovation taking place are still uh, shallow renovation. So I think one thing um, that we need to do is to make sure that this small, um, these shallow renovations that are happening every day in Ireland, that they are um, they are well planned for and they are done as part of um, like a, yeah as a plan really towards like eventually like uh, a deep retrofit which will allow um, all our all our properties to be um, zero carbon emission by uh, 2050 and highly comfortable so that's why I think in the paper we mentioned the importance of introducing um, what is called a building renovation passport so really that's um, a retrofit roadmap which means that you have a If you don't have the budget for a deep retrofit or, or if you can't really for, for whatever reason do a deep retrofit of your property right now that if you want to do it in small steps um, at least that it's done in the right order and that um, something that you do know is not preventing you from doing something else let's say in five years time or making it more complicated so i think yes we probably need this support for um kind of um, single measure but I think they need to be like they need to take place as part of a, a clear plan towards a deep retrofit um, and I have two more I'm sorry I know it's a long answer but um, the other one would be very much around uh, non-traditionally um, built uh, properties at the moment you don't really have uh, support for retrofitting uh, this type of properties so non-traditionally built properties where typically like properties that were built like um, pre-1945 um, and they still account for about 18% of our residential stock. So I think it would be important perhaps to develop something such as a, a one-stop shop uh, to retrofit this type of property or to um, 
to introduce like what we mentioned as well in, in, in the paper, like um, a register of uh, renovation advisor, like people that are well qualified and can provide advice uh, to retrofit this type of property. And my last point, and I know it was a very long answer, uh, is very much uh, around. Um, so at the moment, we do have um, um, a free um, free energy upgrade uh, program for uh, fuel poor um, households, but. Um, and this was recently reviewed, but there is a recent paper from ESRI that shows that the system, again, um, is working well for people that are uh, income uh, poor and that live in um, that live in properties that are highly um, that are really not energy efficient. But at the same time, it also shows that you have many people that are um, at risk of energy. Uh, energy poverty that are not targeted uh, or not reached by this program because of the type of requirement. I mean, um, you can't be renting the property, you need to own the property, you need to receive some specific social welfare payments. So um, either is to, I think, in my opinion, we we either need to review the free energy upgrade program to look at the eligibility criteria, or if it's if this can't be done because of, of the cost, for instance, at least I think we need to better uh, support um, these people in terms of um, um, perhaps like shallower type uh, of retrofit, but making sure again that they have a, a retrofit um, um, a retrofit roadmap and that all the action uh, are taken in the in the right order. Another option that is currently being explored and that is mentioned in the climate action plan um, is this concept of uh, low interest uh, loan. But again, what international research shows is that um, low interest rate um, loan may work, um, but they really need to be lows, and by that I mean really around one or, or two percent. So, sorry, it was a very long answer, but um, and I may I'm pretty sure I've forgotten things, but um, sorry, no, just in terms of um, best practice as well. Another thing, uh, and actually, it's not necessarily like something that is an international best practice, but something um, that is very interesting that was piloted uh, recently by uh, Cork City Council is this idea to have um, basically to have um, um, kind of an office in the street where, where people can just step in and ask their questions directly in relation to energy efficiency uh, and what they could be doing uh, to improve uh, to improve energy efficiency in, in the room and I think that's particularly important uh, I mean, if you look again at the research for some group of uh, society being the elderly or people in food poverty that may find it like, or for various reasons may find it difficult to find the information uh, at the moment on the um, uh, energy efficiency uh, um, upgrade program currently available. I think this was the, the home energy upgrade office situated on yep. Grand Parade, just beside Bishop Lucy Park. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful to take international best practice, but even easy, even better finding kind of local authority best practice. Marion, thank you so much. Uh, that really was uh, absolutely not too long. It was really wonderful. The paper is reviewing the co-benefits of energy efficiency in an Irish context by Marion Jamais. It is available on the IIEA website. I just want to thank a couple of people. Uh, but before that, just I'm thinking as well that 
we're talking, Marion and I, at the week where we saw the longest day of the year. So we're enjoying the lovely kind of early Irish summer that we're all having. But it won't be long before we're thinking about the colder months of the year. It won't be long at all. So I think it's really good to kind of trailer those conversations with this great paper. So I would encourage everybody to take the time to look at it. I want to thank, as I'm sure Marion does also, Owen Lewis and the IIEA Climate and Energy Working Group, who provided invaluable support as this paper went through its stages of development. And I'll also single out Luke O'Callaghan-White and Keelan O'Sullivan from the research team here who provided enormous support and energy. And just to, to acknowledge all that, all, all of those people, but specifically to, to really thank Marion for, for this excellent paper, but also for advancing this really important area of public policy and for presenting excellent analysis that takes abstract ideas and explains them in, in, in a way that I certainly found very accessible. But most importantly, what, what all good policy analysis should do, uh, you, you present really actionable recommendations for public policymakers to look at so as to try and make people's lives better. And that's that's really great. And uh, I, I strongly recommend this paper to, to, to all of our, our listeners and all members at the Institute and anybody who wants to know more about these important topics of reviewing the co-benefits of energy efficiency in an Irish context. So thank you very much, Marion, and, and thank you for listening, those at home. Thank you, Mary. This podcast is brought to you by the IIEA. Sharing ideas, shaping policy.